The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Well, hello there, everybody. It is Tuesday, June 21st, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces and soon to be on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're having a wonderful start to your week. It is first day of summer, which is exciting stuff. So happy first day of summer to everybody. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning here in South Carolina. And I am excited to talk with all of you about all the crazy happenings in the wonderful world of mixed martial arts, including this past Saturday, we had ourselves one hell of an event. UFC Austin delivered in spades. It actually over exceeded the already very high expectations that everyone seemed to have for it already. And in the end, Josh Emmett gets the biggest win of his career, gets a split decision nod against Calvin Cater. He wants a title shot. He might get it, but things are going to have to sort of fall into place perfectly for him to get that. He's going to need Volkanovski to win next Saturday at UFC 276. And he's going to need Brian Ortega to win probably very impressively a couple weeks after that. Then he has a chance. Other than that, he's got a lot of options. He, there's still a lot of interesting options for him. Maybe he fights Holloway. Maybe he fights the loser of Ortega Rodriguez. Maybe he fights the winner of that fight. I mean, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of places he can go. I know there's a lot of discussion about 
how the fight was scored and whether or not it was a, a robbery. Listen, I will say this again. As a whole, watching the fight, it was super duper close, incredibly close. And by watching that fight and just seeing how it all played out, you cannot say that it was a robbery. You can't, you can't say that. You can't just look at the fight as a whole, score it how you scored it, and then say it's an absolute robbery that Josh Emmett won the fight. Now, is there a conversation to be had because of how one judge scored the fight? I don't think it's completely egregious to at least have a conversation about it because Chris Lee, with in all honesty, look at Chris Lee's scorecard. I wouldn't say that Calvin Cater got robbed. I'd say he got screwed. Chris Lee hosed Calvin Cater by scoring that fourth round for Josh Emmett. That is a horrible scorecard. Really, really bad. And I would love to hear how Chris Lee saw that fourth round for Josh Emmett. There weren't a lot of clear rounds in the fight. One was super close, could have gone either way. Two was super close, kind of could have gone either way. Three seems like an Emmett round, so that was kind of clear. Four was the most clear round of the fight, and it was a cater round. It's not even close. Five, you can make an argument for Emmett. In fact, watching it live and doing the live blog for MMA Fighting, I scored the fifth for Emmett. Upon the rewatch, I scored it for Cater. Round one, watching it live and doing the live blog for MMA Fighting, scored it for Cater. Watching it back, scored it for Emmett. So either way, I scored a 48-47 for Cater. But that fourth round, man, Chris Lee scores that fourth round correctly, and Cater wins the fight. So Cater's not going to come out and complain about the judges and feel like he got robbed or anything like that, but he has every right to feel a certain way about that scorecard and how Chris Lee scored that fourth round. But neither here nor there. As a whole, I scored a 48-47 for Cater, watching it live. Scored it again, 48-47 for Cater, watching it again. But it's not a robbery. It's not a robbery. However, Chris Lee turns the conversation from not a robbery into maybe there's a discussion to be had. There have been way more egregious robberies in the sport. We talked about it last week. But if I'm Calvin Cater, I'm, I'm probably a little pissed off at Chris Lee right now on this Tuesday morning. Before we get to the calls, and I see a bunch of you lined up, we're going four days this week. We're going four consecutive days. So every morning this week, we're getting after it. 10 a.m. Eastern, tomorrow, Thursday, Friday. We're going all four days. Get excited. Is this going to be a permanent thing? Probably not, at least not for right now. Next week, I don't know what the hell we're going to do because I will be in Las Vegas for UFC 276 and International Fight Week. I can tell you next Tuesday's show will be at like 9 a.m. Eastern instead of 10 a.m. Eastern because my flight from Savannah leaves at 7.05 in the morning, and then I just take a short flight to Atlanta, and then I'm in Atlanta for like two hours, and then I fly to Vegas after that. So in between, like during that layoff, that, that layoff or the holdover, if you will, then we're going to do the show while I'm in the airport before I have to board the next flight. So, But the schedule will reveal that as I understand what the schedule is actually going to be because I have no idea. I have no idea what the International Fight Week schedule is going to look like, but... That's next week. Let's talk about this week. We can talk about UFC 276, whatever the hell you want to talk about. And we will begin things with clearest values. 
How are we What's doing? What's up, CV? Good, how are you? I'm hanging in there. It was a really amazing night of fights this past weekend. I was really impressed. I went into it with high expectations, but the finishes were absolutely wild. I want to kind of yeah. hear your thoughts specifically about how the UFC should... Because I think there needs to be some kind of addressing of the whole DC um, Phil Hall situation. Obviously, like nothing serious, but I think there needs to kind of be a response with expectations for if you're covering one of your fighters' fights. Like, you know, there was a similar thing, you know, whenever Felder covers Sean Brady or those Philly guys. I think there needs to be some sort of precedent to them not uh, announcing their own people's fights because, you know, I think there is some clear bias there. And I think it kind of, the product, I think, suffers when, when that happens. I want to hear your thoughts. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. In the past, it was a huge problem. It was a huge problem. And there was a, I'm trying to remember who it was. I don't know if it was Brady or, or somebody else. But at one point, like, Felder excused himself from a broadcast. He was just like, nah, not going to sit here and watch one of my teammates fight and try to keep things down the middle. And he sort of excused himself from the broadcast, which I get why he did that. But at the same token, it kind of sucks because Felder has such a good mind for the sport. I actually think Felder is the best fighter color commentary going right now, commentator going right now. And I don't mean this as a knock or, or a slate or anything like that. I think they all present different things, but I feel like where Felder started to where he is now, he's fantastic. Love the post-fight interviews. Love everything he brings to the table. I think Michael Bisbing has improved quite a bit, especially when it comes to scoring and judging and things like that. He has a better grasp and a better understanding. He's trying. DC, I actually thought DC did a really good job on Saturday. I thought him and Cruz fed off each other really well. That trio of DC, Fitzgerald, and Cruz, they were really good. I I had no issue with anything. I thought they were fantastic. And I I actually thought DC during the Duran win fight, it was the best he had done in terms of being a color commentator in a fight that involved somebody from AKA. I actually thought he did a really good job. I thought he called it right down the middle. I thought he was very, he praised Phil Haas. He was, he put him over and then Phil just got a little upset. Phil even apologized, felt he was in the wrong. It was a misunderstanding. He thought DC went somewhere and made a prediction for the fight and picked Deron win to pun, no pun intended win. And Phil Haas had an issue. So DC said, you're back to the wrong horse. DC's like, nah, dude, I don't pick fights. And then it was over like a second later. And then he went back at the press conference and said it was, it was a misunderstanding, said it was his fault. And then said, jokingly, DC, don't beat me up. So I think it's getting better. There was a, it used to be a huge problem. I don't think it's as big of a problem anymore, but I do think the fighters, you know, need to keep that, especially some of the newer guys. They bring somebody new in, if they bring Anthony Smith in there to be a color guy or Michael Chiesa in there to be a color, a color guy, just something they have to keep in mind. But I think it's actually improved, if we're being honest. Let's get Just Simply Rob Carcax. You're next. And then Four Corner Sports. And then Tristan Gordet. What's up, Just Simply? Hey, Mike. How you doing, man? Good morning, my brother. How's everything? 
What's up, my man? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Yeah, I was. Well, I mean, two things. One small thing about the DC thing. I feel like that's a that's a common thing for some reason where people feel comfortable to go up there and disrespect the man, which I don't know why that is. But I wanted to talk to you, Mike, specifically about the Charles and the Islam thing. I just want your take on what you think because I've been hearing rumblings about them fighting in October. I just can't see again. I feel like. Islam is biting off a little more than you can chew. I mean, I don't see how he's earned it. I mean, I was looking at his record yesterday as well as Charles Oliveira. Um, I mean, Charles Oliveira, he fought some studs before he got the title shot. I mean, the people that are, you know, at least names we know, whereas Islam, I mean, yeah, he's on this win streak, but who has he fought? Uh, I don't know. What do you think about the whole thing, Mike? Thank you, sir. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the Islam fight is it, for me personally, that's the fight I want to see. I'm way more intrigued by that fight than I am with Connor, which is the fight that Oliveira wants. And I get why, because hashtag prize fighting, you take the fight that makes you the most money and you have the best chance to win. That is the definition of prize fighting. I think actually that Colby Covington's done. You can feel how you feel about Colby, but I think Colby has really done the prize fighting thing really, really well. And people <laughs> people know that. He's smart with this call-outs. He's smart with planting the seeds. Is he fighting the best guys? No. But is he making a lot of money and drawing interest? Yes. And he's winning a lot of those fights. The only guy he's really losing to is Usman. And he's very competitive with Kamaru Usman. He was in both of those fights. But if I'm Charles Oliveira and the UFC comes to him and says, hey, you could fight Islam in October in Abu Dhabi. If I'm Charles Oliveira, I'm saying, nope, not doing that. Why would I Why would I go there? Why would I go to his home turf, essentially, to fight a guy that I don't even really feel I need to fight right now? You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people feel like Islam is the best lightweight in the world. I get why you feel that way, because of just how easy he's making these fights look. He's just running over guys. He's just making them look silly. But the knock against him is he doesn't have that signature win, that win that's just like, all right, it's a no-doubter. It's a no-brainer. There's the guy. His best win is Dan Hooker, and I like Dan a lot. But Dan's on a top five 55-er. He's not. So to me, like, I have no issue if they book Islam versus Benil Dariush for that October card. I have no issue with that whatsoever. And if you want to... and Listen, they throw interim title fights out like it's nothing. It's like you're running a 5K and there's somebody on the side. There's all these tables or running a half marathon or a marathon. And you got people over there with like these cups, cups of water to hand off. It's like the UFC has tables on the side of the road as you're running a race and they just hand out interim title fights. In this case, I would have no issue... And it's not disrespectful to Oliveira. We're basically just anointing a official number one contender. The fighters are making more money. It's a title fight. And then in turn, it makes the lightweight unification vote against either Makachev or Dariush just a bigger, more fascinating, more intriguing fight because you have two champions going up against each other. If they went that route, I'd have no issue with that whatsoever. You would not get complaint one from me. But if I'm Oliver, I ain't going to Abu Dhabi to fight Islam. That's He's not doing it. And he shouldn't. He just fought Gaethje in his hometown as the champion. 
And I understand he missed weight, whatever. But that car was supposed to be in Brazil. If I'm Oliveira, I ain't fighting. I ain't going to Abu Dhabi. I'm going to Brazil or I'm going to Vegas. I'm going somewhere that's at least neutral. And I do want to see Oliveira Makachev. But I would have no issue if they did Makachev Dariush and just slapped one of those BS interim titles on it because it makes sense. It's fine. It's not, Oliveira, you're a wuss. We're just going to send you a message. No, you're just putting a fake title up and paying the guys more money. I got no issue with that whatsoever. And that's a fight I want to see as well. And Amakachev wins, makes the actual unification belt way bigger. There's no excuses. There's no complaining. This guy got his signature win. Give him the title shot. That's it. But the matchup itself fascinates me. But no matter what they do, I'm fine with just if I'm just I, I would be stunned if Oliveira takes that fight in Abu Dhabi. Stunned, absolutely stunned. Let's get Carcax in here. Then four quarter sports. Then Tristan, and then we're just gonna fly through these. Carcax, are you there? Oh uh, yeah, can you, can you guys hear me? I got gotcha. you. What's up? All right. Uh, so I just wanted to get your take on the the current state of the featherweight division. And um, so Holloway's about to get his third title shot. Uh, I was just thinking, do you think he calls it a career if he fails to get the title this time around? If you think Holloway, you ask me if I think Holloway will retire if he loses to Volkanovski? Well, I mean, it, it's his third fight against Volkanovski and he never really had the best uh, chances in the lightweight division whenever he fought at 155. So I don't know. I was just thinking maybe it just calls it a career. Okay. Thank you for the question. I would say slim to none that happens because Max Holloway is fighting because he wants to. It's not a, I mean, sure, if he wins the title, he's going to be excited about that and that'll be a cool feather in his cap and stuff like that. But if he loses to Volkanovski, there's still a lot of interesting matchups for him. A ton of them. He can just fight fun fights. He doesn't have to fight. He makes a ton of money outside of the sport. He makes a ton of money at the video gaming stuff. He's he's killing it, man. He's killing the game. He does. He's a star. This guy is a star that transcends past MMA. A lot of people know Max Holloway is outside of MMA, and that's a great thing for him. That's a great thing for the Max Holloway business. So, no, I don't think he retires. He's still he's still pretty young. He's old in fight years, I guess you could say, but he's still a pretty young guy. And he's a competitive dude. He's just going to fight the big fights and the fights that interest him. So if he, I could see him going to 55. I've been wanting to see Max Holloway, Justin Gaethje from Jump Street. That's the fight. After he, after Holloway beat Calvin Cater, that's the fight I've been going for. Holloway, Gaethje, let's go. That fight friggin' rules. I would watch the crap out of that fight. And it would challenge Holloway in the way he wants to be challenged. I don't think Holloway cares about the belt. Like, it'll be cool to have it. But Holloway will not be defined by a championship or losses to Volkanovski. Those first two fights. First fight, again, I thought it was a clear win for Volkanovski. I didn't. I thought. I think I scored a 49-46 for Volk. Was it the Alo barn burner that we kind of hoped it would be? No, it was just a very smart game plan. From Volkanovski. Now the second fight is tremendous. It's outstanding. UFC 251, just a game of inches. Again, I've watched that fight probably 50 times by now. I've scored it for Volkanovski all 50 times. 
but I get why you think Holloway might have won the fight. The fight is awesome. It's so, so good. And I can't wait for this third fight. But no, to answer your question, I don't think he will retire. I think he'll just maybe go up to 55. He's just going to take fun fights. Just fun bouts. Because that's all he needs to do. And he'll make good money doing that. Four Quarter Sports, you're up. Hey, Mike. So I wanted to get your um, perspective. So with Cater now losing, right? I was looking at, you know, which featherweights haven't got booked any anytime soon. And what's your opinion on – this is what I – but for Otno, what, what's your, what's your um, opinion on Calvin Cater possibly uh, matchma- matchmaking with uh, Bryce Mitchell? That's what I, I selected for Otno. I mean, I think that would be interesting only because uh, Mitchell, he's not a person that's very active. And then you know the the New England card sell better than anybody in MMA media. You know, they're going to take the time on recovering and then making sure that Cater is close to 100% before he takes another fight. Um, also, between Joaquin Buckley and Adrian Giannis, who do you think ceiling rose? I know both these fighters ended up fighting for the first time in front of fans, and I think it's about time that the UFC had um, Buckley and Giannis fighting in front of fans, and I think moving on forward, they should. And while you guys are talking about DC, the one the, the one person I actually would love for the UFC to have on commentary on fight nights is Laura Sanko. Like, when is that going to happen? It's a great question. I completely agree with you. Hopefully, hopefully this year, I, I have no insight to this, but hopefully they get her in for a fight night this year. Just do it. Do it already. She's tremendous on the Contender Series. She was great on the road to the UFC cards. And she's just great anyways. She's a fantastic ambassador for the sport. She knows what she's talking about. And the UFC is going to have to pull the trigger on that at some point. It's just, how do you get her in there? Because you get all the... You get, you get fighters who have signed on to be color guys. Maybe we just they step aside and give Sanko a shot. I would say we'll get an Apex fight card at some point. Maybe like one of the last ones of the year, maybe. But I have no insight to this whatsoever. Sanko's great. She deserves all those opportunities, no doubt about it. With the Cater-Bryce-Mitchell matchup, I mean, I'm sure that could be an option. I actually think it's going to be Cater of Loyev. I think that's the way to go. After that win over Danny Gay, I felt like if Loyev should fight the loser of this past Saturday's fight. And the NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Apologies. Okay, I see a lot of emojis. That's good. All right, you guys are maniacs. Thank you for hopping in. Sorry about that. I have no control over the power. Just dumb. Just dumb. God. Summer's already off to a bad start. All right, now let's try this. Tristan, are you there? Yes, Mike, I'm here. Can you hear me? Oh, thank God. Thank God. What's up, buddy? Hey, listen, um, I want to go back to the, the Cater and Emmett fight. Um, you mm-hmm. saw the rewatch, right? I saw the rewatch. Did yep. you listen to um, the corner at, at the end of round three with Chartier and Cater? Did you listen to that? I mean, I, I, I know Tyson was telling him to, to pick it up. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, didn't change how I scored it. And when I watch the, when I watch these fights back, mm-hmm. I, I mute it so I could watch it for what it, what it was. But the big difference was, at least to me, and. Like, I actually felt it was closer to 49-46 Cater than it was 48-47 Emmett. Just because I felt that Cater's defense, especially the defensive guard, was such a major factor. I feel like he deflected or took a lot of Emmett's best shots to the arms and the shoulders. I feel like Cater didn't take a, as much damage as people thought he did. I agree. I, I agree with that, too. Because the thing is with Chartier, he was – because remember, Cater was in the plan. He's like, he's loading up. And then, but then Chartier was like, you got to keep going. Use the one, two, keep going down. Like, walk him down, keep putting the pressure. Because I remember Cater was doing this to Jakaze. But the thing is, I don't think Cater was worried about Jakaze's power because he was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get hit, but it's not going to really affect me. With, with Emmett, it was a totally different situation where he was loading up. And I think he might have been worried about the power getting getting clicked. So, but he did listen to Chartier's um, instructions because in that fourth round, caught that spinning elbow that just rocked um, Emmett, and then caught him with I think a, a right hand. You know, so where he clearly won four and five. But then at the end of fourth round, Chartier was like, "Yo, you got to keep going forward because we don't know how this play is going to go. When Oxus Texas, we, you know, we, we can't let this go to decision." So, like. It was like kind of a conundrum to me. Which way should Cater go? Should he, should, you know, he, obviously he's going to listen to Tyson. He trusts him, and he did listen to his instructions. Because the thing is, I think somebody said I, I don't know who said it in the broadcast or somewhere else, but I felt Cater won, but people felt like Cater should have done more. And I, I just wanted your perspective. Do you think Cater should have done more, even though we thought he won, and just to do what he did? against Jikaze. Again, I know they're two different completely fighters, and it was two different things, where again, Kato wasn't worried about the power with Jikaze, but he was worried, He was a little bit worried about the power that was coming back to him from Emmett. So, just your insight on that. Thanks. Thanks, Tristan. Yes. I get where you're coming from. I think a lot of people feel like Kato could have done a little bit more in that fight to just make it a little more emphatic, and 
that's the thing. And you want to, one thing Dana White has said that has always been true is that never leave it in the hands of the judges. You never know what they're going to think and how they're going to score things. And what was funny about the whole thing is that a lot of people are like, oh, Texas going to Texas and all that stuff. But it's not like, Maybe, I don't know, maybe throughout the card there was, like, some local judges, but for the most part, it's the same old folk. Sal D'Amato, Chris Lee, they were all there. It's it's mostly just the typical guys <laughs> that judge these fights. But Chris Lee's scorecard was atrocious. It was so bad, and it cost Calvin the fight, but in the end, Cater could have done more. It was a little more emphatic, and I think he'll the first one to tell you that hopefully i get the chance to talk to him in vegas i think he's on the fighter list so I'd love to get his perspective on it and spoiler alert i think he's gonna say listen the judge the, the dana says never leave it in the hands of the judges it's on me he'll probably take the blame for it himself and that's probably what i'll end up saying but good competitive fight i thought cater won most people seem, seem to think cater won but it is what it is. Not a robbery. It's only in. It's only a conversation piece because Chris Lee scored the fourth round for Emmett, and had he scored the fourth round correctly, Cater wins that fight. So, not a robbery, but it to say that you can't have a discussion about whether or not he got hosed. If you're saying that, strike the word robbery from your vocabulary when it comes to this fight. You're wrong. You're wrong. It, you have every right. You have every right to bring that up because of that scorecard. You have every right to say that word if you want to. Now, I don't think it is a robbery. But when you have a situation like this where one judge scored the clearest round of the fight for the wrong fighter, and that round, had it been scored correctly, would have led to the other to losing fighter actually winning the fight, it is not egregious to say it's a robbery because of that one judge. It's not. And if you feel differently, you're probably wrong about that. All right, Zeke, you've been very patient. What's up, buddy? Good morning, Mike. How are we doing this time? I'm doing a little better. My uh, mild heart attack is no more. We're back. We're fresh. And we have Wi-Fi and power. Awesome. So we're I good. I hope that Duncan's tasting great this morning. If not, we'll have the heck of the morning now that I'm here, of course. Uh, I got something to take yes. us off of uh, the rails completely because I have a little side story dash, you know, one fighter I want to know what the heck is going on. And then talk to me about this July 2nd, not July 2nd, actually. I'm not going to jump the gun even though I'm a hype boy. We're going to go to June 26th and we're going to talk about, uh, I'm actually going to talk to you about Shafkat Rachmanov and Neil Magny. I mean, is this man Shafkat Rachmanov? Uh, the next thing, I mean, this guy's a freak. He looks like a robot. I only see highlights. I mean, he put, who was it? He just put somebody into the shadow realm who had absolutely no business being in there with him. If I uh, butcher his name, I'm sorry. I'm not going to give it a go, but I did see that clip. Uh, I mean, hey, I guess they want to kind of make this a uh, year two for Hamzat if you know all the hype and continues to win is definitely something that you like to say. So I guess what is your thought process on Shafkat Rachmanov and maybe a little prediction for Saturday? And then uh, secondly, this one is coming from absolutely right field. 
so Colby Covington is obviously wrapped up in this Jorge Masvidal mess. Who really knows what the heck is going on there? However, it seems to me he doesn't have an issue calling out Dustin or Bilal or mentioning them. However, when Hamzat gets mentioned, it seems Colby is a little CT-ish and Jorge hurt his head. And is this a tactical plan or am I just thinking too deep into it? Does Colby really want to fight Hamzat? Will that fight ever happen? I feel like the UFC would have already booked it if it was going to. And then I totally just saw this tweet two seconds ago. I think it came from the MMA fighting account. We're in the same spot when Nate Diaz we've always been in. What the heck? All right, I'll shut up. Uh, have a heck of a morning. And, uh, yeah, you guys got to be in here all the time. I know we had a little foot, but this show is awesome. Every single morning, you get to shut up. You get to listen to Mike, even though his Boston Celtics aren't, you know, NBA champions. They're co-runners up. This guy knows fights. This guy knows fighting. This guy's also a great goddamn guy. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, buddy. I have to send you a check for that review right there. And you used heck like a dozen times in that rant, which is tremendous. Let me address the day. I mean, listen, the ATS situation. I mean, what else can, can be added to it for the love of God? I mean, this whole thing is stupid. It's dumb. It's ridiculous. Petty as hell. And... You gotta be if you're a, a successful entity like they are. But they don't need Nate Diaz. They don't need him. If you don't want him to fight, or if you don't want him, or you're not gonna book him, or you're not gonna release him, like, what's the point? You're making all this money anyways. You don't need Nate. Does it stink that he could go off and fight Jake Paul and they'll do pretty damn good business? Sure it does. Does it stink you might lose out on the trilogy fight with Conor McGregor? Sure it does. But at the same time, you had five or six years to make the trilogy fight, and you didn't do it. So you got no one to blame but yourself. Oh, we could use this anytime. It's like a joker. It's like a wild card in poker. We can just pull this out of our pocket and just use it anytime. You didn't use it. You didn't use it. And now... Nate has one fight left in his deal. Eventually, he's going to find his way. Hopefully, he gets out of it because the UFC is making so much money and they don't need him and they will continue to make so much money without him. Him and Connor could do the trilogy fight on their own and make all the money. And I know that's the whole thing about what, what the UFC is trying to do right now. They're trying to make sure that the trilogy fight between him and McGregor happens in the octagon and not outside of it because Nate's not an idiot. Connor's also not an idiot. Connor doesn't have a lot of meat left on his contractual bone. So when Connor's out and Nate's out, they could just do the fight anywhere, anyhow. They could play checkers, chess. They could play a game of four square and then fight. And I would watch all of those things. I'd watch McGregor and Diaz talk shit to each other and play four square. Who wouldn't? They can play rock, paper, scissors. They can arm wrestle. They can play slap hand. They can do all these things and we'll watch the hell out of it. And the UFC knows that. So they're going to, I don't know what they're thinking. It makes no sense. They just need to let him go or just give him a freaking fight. You want to book him against Shemaev? Book him against Shemaev. Nate will fight him. Nate will fight Shemaev. He'll gladly go in there, win or lose, and just march his happy ass on into the, into the squared circle to fight Jake Paul 
or whatever else is out there for him. Because there's a lot out there for him. This whole thing is stupid. UFC is petty as hell in this whole situation, as they are in most. But this is just dumb. Just let the guy go or just book him a fight. If you want to squash him on the way out or at least try to, go ahead. And he's fine with that. He's fine with that. Speaking of the Shamayev thing, I don't agree with the Colby has CTE when it comes to Shamayev because I've talked to Colby about Shamayev multiple times. And while it's not his first choice, he, again, he's a prize fighter. Take the biggest fight for the most amount of money and the easiest path to victory. Not saying that Dustin Poirier is an easy fight, but you would have to favor Colby pretty significantly against, against Dustin. You just have to. That wrestling pace, there aren't many who can deal with it. And Colby would be a huge favorite against Dustin. I would pick Colby to win that fight. Most would pick Colby to win that fight. And it would do bonkers numbers. It's a prize-fighting type of fight. And I truly believe that after... UFC 273, had we would not be dealing with this whole Mazadal situation, everything that's happened, I think he would have fought Shamayev. I think he would have fought him. And I think he would feel he has a chance, he would have a chance to win that fight because of that relentless pace. You saw Shamayev fade a little bit in that fight. He still fought his ass off and it was awesome. But you saw Shamayev fade a little bit. And if there's one guy you can't fade against in that division, it is Colby because he will make you pay more than anybody else. Because he doesn't stop. He doesn't fade. And it would be a huge fight. And Colby understands that. He understands that. Would it be his first choice? Probably not. But would he take it if the UFC offered it and said, hey, this will be the main event of, of, of an ABC card? He would. I think he would have taken it. Obviously, he's not going to take it now. Because I don't know what's going to happen with this whole situation with Masvidal and citing a brain injury and things like that. And again, I don't know. I haven't seen any scans or anything like that i have no idea i have literally no clue but if this thing goes to trial with mazadal we'll get all that information but i don't know and as far as rachmanov goes the answer is is he the real deal the answer is we'll see i feel like he can be i feel like these performances against Oliveira and Perseris and that knockout against carlson harris is unbelievable but neil maggie's the guy neil is Neil is a gamer. And when no one wanted to fight Shemayev, Neil was raising his hand. No one really wants to fight Rachmanov. Neil raised his hand. There's very little reward here for Neil Magny if it beats Shafkat Rachmanov. But there's an incredible risk. I give Neil all the credit in the world for taking this fight. And you can make an argument that this could have been the main event. I think the UFC got it right with this main event. But I'm very fascinated by this Magni Rachmanov fight. And if Rachmanov does to Magni what he's done to these other guys, we got a player and we got a legit player and a guy who will be fighting for the title in the next two years. No doubt about it. All right, Jimmy, maybe we can get you in. We've tried so many times. It was such a cluster F and here we are. Jimmy, what's up? Mike, how you doing? I'm better now. I'm better now that we have power and things are going smoothly. Right. Good, good. So I, uh, I wanted to go back to the Oliveira. Actually, a couple of things. I wanted to go back to the Oliveira Islam thing. I think people, I keep, I keep hearing people say they don't want, it. Islam needs to get a test, this and like, I keep hearing this, right? But 
what about the fact that nobody wants to fight him? Because I keep hearing also everybody keep I don't want to say ducking. I'm not going to disrespect nobody, but nobody's jumping at the nobody's trying to jump in the octagon with Islam. So then what do you do? Well, if nobody wants to fight him, you get the champion. And how can you be mad at that? How can you be mad at Islam when nobody wants to fight Islam? That's not his fault. And then with the with the whole I think was this UFC Austin card not the best card in maybe the last 10 years? Am I wrong for saying that? From first fight on prelim to last fight of main card. Was this not the best card in like the last 10 years? Thanks, Mike. Have a good morning. Thanks, buddy. It was great. It was a tremendous fight night card. It was excellent. What a back-to-back the UFC had. Between 275, all the storylines that came out of that. This card was tremendous. What a run they've been on. And this card's great. This, this, the whole stretch of upcoming events are really good. They're really strong. This was a great card. I have a feeling London edges it out in the overall grand scheme of things because that crowd just made it. That crowd just made that event. And the Austin crowd was was good. They were on fire for Adrian Yanez. They were on fire for Kevin Holland. They were on fire for a lot of things. But that London crowd and what came from that event and the reactions that Tommy Aspinall and Patty Pimblett and Molly McCann and, and, and some of the local fighters got, and that card delivered too. And this is a, a sport where it's just, this just happened. Let's give it all the, the hype and praise in the world. And this is a card that deserved to be in that conversation. 100%. It was awesome. We knew it was going to be good. And this thing delivered. UFC London, we felt like, okay, it's cool. They're back in London. Some local fighters. We know the crowd's going to be hot. And that event was fantastic. Very good. Very, very good. So it's close. I edge out. I, I lead with London slightly just because of the atmosphere and everything that came out of it. But Austin is in the conversation, and that was clearly a top 10 fight night card of all time. It's in that discussion for sure. Let's get Gary in here. What's up, buddy? Can you hear me, Mike? Yes, sir. So this one's actually a bit of a personal question. Hope you don't mind. Uh, I was listening to Odno the other day. And you mentioned how you have two older brothers, but you also mentioned how you are Michael Heck Jr. So my question is, was your father just waiting for the perfect son to name after himself? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's the best. Well, I mean, I feel like I was going to be the last one, I guess. I wasn't because there was another boy that came along, my little brother, Brian. But it's funny because I look exactly like my dad in a lot of ways. I lost the battle of the follicles like my dad. My other three brothers have hair. I do not. I lost the battle a few years ago. I've accepted it. And I am relishing it. And I take that straight razor, that Vic to my head proudly every two days me and my dad 
fighting the battle together. Yeah, I don't know. I think they felt like, okay, this is going to be the last boy. This is it. Let's just continue the namesake. And then they're like, let's go one more time. This has got to be a girl. There's no way that they could get a four boys in a row. And alas, another heck brother. We're a fun time too. Like you get us in a room uh, on a bar stool at a table, chit chatting. It's a good time. We go off the rails. It's hilarious. Let's get motivated Andy in here. Hello, motivated Andy. Bad look continues after moving to the West Coast time slot for the show. Uh, first, your Celtics go down, <laughs> and now your internet and everything else. That's what you get. Um, has anybody talked about how good Natalia Silva looked this past weekend? Like, it was insane. Not on this program. She was tremendous, though. Okay, I'm just making sure because, like, that shit legit gave me goosebumps. For a UFC debut, how good she looked. And apparently she was supposed to make her debut, like, two years ago. Um, do you think her next fight she deserves a ranked opponent? I just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just in awe of her performance. Maybe I'm dick riding a little too hard, but... I mean, that shit was just so good. Yeah, man. She was she was outstanding. She was one of the stars of the night. No doubt about it. She was tremendous. Jazz and Jazzavizius is a tough fighter, and she put the boots to her in an impressive way. So I was I was very impressed by that performance. She hadn't fought in over three years, so she used her time wisely. She was supposed to make her UFC debut. January of last year against Victoria Leonardo, who got her got a contract off Dana White's contender series. Silva had a withdraw. Manon Fioro subbed in in her UFC debut. And now look, this it actually worked out great for the UFC. Because yeah, we could have got Silva earlier. But then we got Fioro, who's a win away. If she beats Jessica Andrade, she's fighting for the title in very short order, like a year and a half, she could be the number one contender for a championship in this division. That's pretty damn impressive. We had to wait a little longer for it, but now we got the debut of Natalia Silva. We got her in front of a crowd. The fans got to react to her. And she beat the hell out of Jess and Jess That was an impressive win. Great performance. Am I willing to give her a ranked guy, uh, gal, excuse me? Let me take a look at the UFC rankings. They're not the rankings that matter most, like the MMA fighting rankings, but it is how we probably have to gauge this whole thing. So here's, here's the bottom tier of the top 15. Joanne Wood at 10, Calvillo at 11. Calvillo's booked already. Wood's not booked. Jessica I's booked. Casey O'Neill is on the shelf. Macy Barber's fighting Jessica I. Aaron Blanchfield at 15. I don't want her fighting any of these fighters. It's just too soon. Like I I would still I would favor Joanne Wood to beat her just because of the experience. She's been in some big fights. And I don't want to throw her into that spot just yet. I want to give her like I said on to the next one, Montana De La Rosa seems like a perfect opponent because that's a good Good step up. It's a good test. Everybody knows who Montana De La Rosa is that watches the UFC. 
Montana presents interesting challenges on the ground. She's also improved her striking immensely and she'll get in there and scrap. She's shown that she'll get in there and just throw down, but she's really good on the ground. Her wrestling's outstanding. So it's a good fight. I think that's probably the direction we go. We want to give Natalia a nice little step up, but we don't want to push her too fast. We don't want to throw in there with Aaron Blanchfield or somebody of that nature. Not just yet. I feel like they have something with her and it's best to kind of milk it. This has Amanda Hebos vibes written all over it. And, and I love it. 125 is this women's 125 division is a lot of fun, isn't it? It's not 115. That's the marquee division. No doubt about it. But 125 is way more interesting than 135. I mean, it's, it's miles away. We're not even on the same continent with how interesting 125 is compared to 135. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get Squale MMA. Good morning. What's up? Good morning, Mike. Heck of a morning to you and everybody. So. You too. Thank you. I am looking at an article from MMA Fighting, and it says Carlos Sparza argues Marina Rodriguez deserves a title shot over Zhang Wiley. Now, I do think there's some truth to this, Mike, meaning I think Marina has done a lot more than Wiley Zhang. But do you think Carla has a leg to stand on? Because we all know that Dana likes money fights and he would prefer Zhang over Marina to get the title shot. Do you think Carla can pull this off as a champion and get the, you know, the opponent that she wants? Or will Dana force her to fight Welly Zhang? Good question. This is a, a bit of very interesting discussion since UFC 275. <sighs> Carla Sparja does have a leg to stand on. If she was in Bellator. Unfortunately, she's in the UFC. She does not have a leg to stand on. She will be fighting Zhang Weili. And <laughs> I'm sorry. She will, uh, she will probably have to fight Zhang Weili on Zhang Weili's timetable as well. I know she doesn't want that. She feels, I'm the champion. You fight on my timeline. I don't see it happening. Zhang Weili wants to fight in October in Abu Dhabi. I'd be stunned if that is not the direction the UFC goes here. I just would be stunned. She doesn't... You haven't defended the belt yet. The Rose fight did not leave a great taste in people's mouths. I mean, you don't have a lot of leverage here. I think she's fighting Zhang. It ain't good. But it, listen, let me just say this, okay? Carla's not ducking Zhang. She ain't afraid of Zhang. She'll fight her. She'll fight her, and she will have a game plan, working with Oyama and all those guys. Alex Perez, et cetera, they will have a game plan to try to beat her, and she will go in there and give everything she has. 100%. Not going to duck her. But from a meritocratic standpoint, she's not wrong. Marina Rodriguez has done more than Zhang Weili. Zhang lost twice in a row. She entered that Joanna fight on two losses. One, she got bolted real quick by Rose. 
The second one, she changed everything. Went in there, caught Rose, in my opinion, on a bad night and didn't beat her. And then she fought Ioana, who hadn't fought in over two years after that. So, I mean, and it is a, emphatic. She looked, and that, that might have been Zhang's best performance ever. She looked ridiculous in that fight. And there's just no, there's just no way Carla's not fighting Zhang Weili next. Just no way. But the other option is maybe the UFC just says, this is the fight. Carla says no, and the UFC just says, screw it. It's going to be Zhang versus Marina for the interim title. Because they would do that. They'd do it in a second. They, they're doing an interim flyweight title fight between Brandon Moreno and Kai Car France, and Davis and Figueredo's hurt. The dude is injured. And they still went with an interim title. So if, if they want to do a Zhang Weili title fight in October, they'll do it with or without Carlos Barça. Let's go to Australian talk. We saw some Australian talk yesterday at the UFC press conference with Israel Adesanya, Alexander Volkanovsky, and Kai Car France. And uh, hopefully we see a UFC card in Australia sooner rather than later. What's up? Hey, mate. Uh, good day, Mike. Thanks for doing the show, mate. It's my first time checking out one of these Twitter spaces. Absolutely love it. Appreciate it, mate. It's a real global audience. Uh, got a couple of questions for you, buddy. Yes, sir. Um, who's the first second-generation fighter we're going to see in the UFC? Is it going to be Bisbing's son? Or who's who's on the horizon there, mate? I, I know lots of fighters would prefer their children not fight, but I know lots of boys have watched their dads or mums fight in the UFC, become champions, and the apple might not fall far from the tree. Interesting. Like, hmm... I like that question a lot. Maybe, God, there's a few. I could cheat and just say AJ McKee. I mean, I, just, I mean, I, 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 I have, I, I would have to ask Jose Youngs because he probably gets up top of his head. But there might be, we may have already had a second generation. I don't know. I could be wrong. AJ McKee could be one. Maybe Bisbing's kid. Um, maybe Rampage's son. Rampage's Rampage's son is having himself a, quite the run thus far. Yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. That's a great question. Players' values. Do you want to chime in on this? Yeah, just on uh, Anderson Silva's son's also kind of like the video that's that's him. a good one. Too. Really good. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Yep, that's a good one. That's a good one. Jimmy Wang Yang, you want to chime in on this? Yes. Hello. Mike. Yo. Yes. You want to chime in on this? Uh, yeah. Uh, what about um Kimbo Slice's son? I believe he his son is also in MMA. I don't know if he's you know I haven't checked his record, but I know Kimbo Slice's son fought and has fought before. True. Um, record not great. Record not great. Um, do you want to add to this Australian talk? Maybe. Here we go. Okay. Uh, I guess a follow-up then, Mike, would be, um, I think it was Connor that said precision beats power and timing beats speed. Uh, with that in mind, mate, Israel Adesanya is going to be fighting Cannoneer. 
Obviously, Izzy's got phenomenal striking capabilities. Um, pretty much, he's he's the top dog in the UFC for his striking prowess. But Cannoneer's a bloody diesel engine, mate. Is he just going to blast Adesanya and almost um, try to implement the same strategy that Jan did against him when he took him on at 205? Yeah, I mean... Here's, I I feel like this fight is a lot closer than people think it is. I feel like a lot of people think that Adesanya is going to go in there and run through Jared Cannonier. I don't think so. I think this could be, I think this might be Adesanya's toughest middleweight fight to date, honestly. Cannonier is great. He is great. Good wrestling. His leg kicks are ridiculous. Those leg kicks are such a game changer. Such a game changer. And I'm sure Adesanya is, and his team are well prepared for that. I'm sure Eugene Berriman has watched thousands and thousands of minutes and hours of footage on Cannoneer and style he brings to the table. Boy, oh boy. I, I actually think this is a really good fight. I favor Adesanya. I think Adesanya will find a way to get it done. But Cannoneer is going to put him through some problems, I feel. In this fight, Adesanya very confident. Feels like this says, as he said, Anderson Silva, Forrest Griffin, Forrest Griffin vibes written all over it. Maybe that's what happens. I don't think so. I think this is a great fight. I can't wait. Very excited to be there live as well. All right, we're gonna we have Patrick, Dom, Emilio, Ahid, Jay, and Taylor. All right, that's how we're wrapping this up. And we're going to go through these as quickly as possible. Patrick, you are up. Mike, am I in? Yo, you're on. All right. Uh, I think that was the best card on American soil since uh, Usman Covington, Madison Square Garden with the Barnett wheel kick. In the Harlem Shuffle when he came out. I think that was the... This last Saturday's car was the best since that one. But we got Salt Lake City coming up. So I think uh, Salt Lake City is definitely going to overtake Austin. Um, but it was cool to see Joe Rogan in the crowd. That was like... That kind of elevated it as well. Um, so we're just at work. And uh, that's some other shit. Forgot. I'm going to listen. <laughs> yeah, I was... Uh... Listen, it was a good card. I liked it. 275 was obviously not American soil, but that was a great card. But 275 reminded me a lot of 199, where it's one of those ones where you're on the fence. Do I spend the money, even though I'm intrigued by it? And those who did were very happy and rewarded for that. And those who didn't are not happy and probably pissed off they didn't get it. So, yeah, I mean, the card was friggin' awesome. It was outstanding. All right, Dom, you're up. Emilio, you're on deck. Yes, sir. Hey, how you doing? Um, so I was watching Cooking with Volk uh, the other day, and Izzy and Volk referred to themselves as the, the greatest featherweight and the greatest middleweight of all time. And I was wondering how close you actually think they are to that. Like, I think they are quite close. Like, Volk beat Aldo 
um, and Izzy beat Silva, albeit not in their primes. Um, so I don't know how much you can take from that. And secondly, do you think that ultimately it will take both of those fighters leaving their divisions for them to suffer their first loss? Or, you know, Izzy's already lost at um, light heavyweight, but do you think ultimately he's going to be unbeaten at middleweight the same for Volk? And uh, cheers for the show, man. Thanks, man. Um, no, they're not. They're not number one. Um, Adesanya is closer than Volkanovski right now, just in overall terms, amount of defenses, the resume, things like that. He does have the win over Anderson Silva. Although Volkanovski does have a win over Jose Aldo, and he's got two over Max Holloway. So they're both close. I, I think they're... They're still a little bit of a ways away, but they're close. I mean, I think Volkanovski, personally, I think Volkanovski has a case to, of being the best fighter on the planet right now. Overall, pound for pound, even over Usman, he has a case. And if he goes out there and just, I think I have, what do I, I, I have to, I, let me pull my rankings real quick. I always forget. Do I have him two or do I have him three? That's always the question. Which where do I have them? Men's pound for pound. I have Volkanovski number two. I have Volkanovski number two. If Volkanovski wins July second in less than two weeks and does so emphatically and impressively, spoiler alert: Volkanovski is my new number one. And Usman hasn't lost or whatever, but Volkanovski, I thought Volkanovski had a case at the end of last year, and. He'll have two wins, two title defenses before Usman makes his first of the year. And Usman was super active before that. So I'm not taking anything away from him. But good God, Volkanovsky is just so good. So good. So yeah, I think the more I talk myself into it, the more I think they're close. I think Aldo is the best featherweight in the world, even above of all time, even above Holloway. I think Holloway's in second. But I think, I think Volk in the all-time convo is, is real close, and he's getting closer to both of those guys. He's getting closer to both of those guys. And Adesanya and Silva are super close, too. I mean, you, there's a lot of comparable stuff between the two guys because Adesanya, when he's on, whew, when he has exciting fights, they are super exciting. And when they're not exciting fights, they're just not that exciting. And Anderson Silva, Adesanya hasn't really gone the silver route where Dana White just freaks out at a press conference because of an Adesanya fight. But, yeah, man, they're close. And I'm, I'm just so high on Volkanovski. I'm high on Adesanya too, but I'm so high on Volkanovski. And what's scary about Volk is I don't think we've seen the peak of his powers yet. All right, Emilio. There you go. What's up, buddy? Hi, Mike. Hello. Can you can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Uh, first of all, heck of a morning to you. Um, second of all, so I've got three points. Uh, the first one being uh, talking about second generation fighters. I don't know why, but I've always thought. <laughs> I mean, there's no real indication other than my imagination pointing towards this uh but max holloway's son i don't know why but i can i mean the, the guy is 
the, the kid is really what's it called um pho- photogenic i mean he 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 doesn't really care about you know being in front of a camera i can see his dad's charisma rubbing off on him um i mean i've never heard him say anything and <laughs> the guy just looks hilarious the kid looks hilarious and uh, and pretty cool too uh second um talking about uh ufc salt lake city uh oh, so ufc 278 with all due respect to salt lake city why is the ufc doing a pay-per-view there um you know i've, I've been to salt lake city myself uh it's it's a city um but i mean <laughs> the card is looking amazing um so my very first direct question for you mike would be if for some reason the event had to be relocated where uh, like and and you were deciding where the event was going to be relocated uh where would you do it um and second of all uh my last point my last question would be well leon is finally getting a title shot that is a miracle i mean who would have thought that was going to happen after the late drama against nate everybody including myself and i know a lot a lot of the peeps from uh, the mma fighting family uh, were saying that he was gonna there's no way that he that he can afford to wait there's no way that <clears throat> that he's gonna get the title shot next uh, after what happened against nate um so Yeah, so then my second question or last question would be, uh, what is your early prediction for uh, Usman versus Edwards? Um, thanks again, Mike. Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, peace and love. And uh, yeah, have a heck of a morning. Thanks, buddy. Yes. Uh, first thing, mini blasts, charisma for days. No doubt about it. Secondly, UFC is wanting to go to Salt Lake City for a while. They can put on any card they want. People will go. I disagree that this fight card is amazing. I mean, it's fine. It needs help, though. Usman Edwards, cool. I mean, you got Paul Costa, Luke Rockhold on the card, but we're talking about two guys who aren't the most reliable in that sense. Aldo Marab is a really interesting fight. Alexander Romanov on the card against Marcin Tybora, fine. But, I mean, the rest of it's just, it's fight nighty. And I don't mean this in, like, a disrespectful way, but... This is a fight night card outside of the top three fights. And even you can make an argument that two and three are fight nighty main event kinds of fights. Woodson, Saldana, Akrichi Lang, Jay Perrin, Tyson Pedro, Harry Hunsucker, Victor Altamirano versus Daniel Da Silva, Lucy Pudilova versus Yanan Wu, AJ Fletcher, Angelusa. Amir Albazi, Francisco Figueredo, Jared Gordon, Leonardo Santos. Like, this is, this is fine, but it's not amazing. They need help. This is dust. Throw Dustin Nate on this card, then it's awesome. Then it's awesome. But it needs it. This is not going to do well on pay per view as it stands. It's just not. It's going to do okay. It'll do what some of the others have done, but this is not going to do a million paper rebuys. I'm going to come close. So I'm going to come close. And my prediction is Usman wins a 50-45 decision over Leon Edwards. 
And let me just add to this real quick. I never said Edwards wasn't going to get a title shot. My idea for this whole thing, and he could attest to this, and I've been saying this for eight months now, I think. The UFC screwed this whole thing up. Should have done Edwards Shamayev interim title. That's how you should have done it. Because then people would care much more about this Usman Edwards fight. If Leon beat Shamayev, then Leon went and fought Usman. Whenever that fight happens, it's a million times more intriguing. It does well on pay per view. As it stands now, it's just this is a it's just a fine it's a, it's a card it's a pay per view card with a title fight main events with the best fighter in the world right now. You got Costa Rockhold, which is interesting, but a lot of people don't like either guy. And who knows? I mean, who knows what will happen? Like, will a fight even happen? Aldo Marab is great. It's weird, but it's cool. And then the rest is just, like I said, it's very fight nighty. I love Romanov. I think the guy's going to fight for the title. But, yeah, I mean, just there. The rest is just a bunch of, like, a lot of contender series guys. And, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but look at 275. But, again, 275, top to bottom, wasn't tremendous on paper, but it ended up delivering. We lost the fight. This is okay. 276 is better. 277 is way better. So we'll see. All right, I'm taking Jay and Taylor, like I said earlier, and then I got to get out of here. Oh, and I hate too. I'm sorry. Hey, what's Jay. up? Yo. So uh, I have two things. One is uh, with Mike Brown from American Top Team, he uh, said that he doesn't want Poirier fighting at 155 anymore unless he gets another title shot. And he wants to moving up to 170. So if that's going to happen, who do you think the UFC should match up with Poirier to be a favorite? Because I was uh, I was looking at the ranked opponents, and the only person I could think of is maybe Masvidal, but he doesn't want to fight Masvidal since he's his teammate. So I want to get your opinion on what right. 170 he should fight if UFC wants to match that up. And second thing is uh, uh, I want to talk about 1FC real quick. And... <clears throat> And how they saw that they booked Adriano Morais and uh, DJ again. And now that DJ's more aware of the knees to the ground, uh, do you think he has a chance to beat Adriano Morais now? And I wanted to get your take on that fight. So thanks, Mike. Have a heck of a morning, man. Thanks, buddy. Uh, the correct answer for Dustin is Nate. That's the fight to make. It has been the fight to make. It has always been the fight to make. And yet they're not making it. Everybody wants it. Like literally everybody wants Dustin versus Nate. Everybody wants it. Everybody wants to see it. The UFC won't make it because they're being petty assholes. It's just dumb. Makes me upset. But that's the fight to make. Do it at 170. Let's just make it happen. That's the one. Anything else? I mean, nothing really stands out. I mean, he's not going to fight for the belt. He's probably going to be a dog in most of these fights. Maybe Wonder Boy. Somebody like that. I don't know. But do the Nate fight for the love of God. All right, he Taylor, you're on deck. All right, sorry. It is. I'm warning my time's up. But anyway, okay, so firstly, with the second generational 
uh, thing. I've got the right answer. It's you all talk about guys. You should have been thinking about the gals, specifically the daughter of a former UFC heavyweight champion, uh, Frank Mir's daughter, uh, Isabella Mir. Is Ooh, um, great one. That that's probably the one that everyone's talking about her. Yeah, that's a great answer. She's very young. Great answer. That's probably it. And now, uh, Mike, I've got to bring something up, and it's it's a sad topic. I. I can't believe I have to bring this up, but I don't know. It's about glory kickboxing. Someone brought this up earlier, like on a, on a previous show. Do you know what I'm talking about, Mike? I'm going to tell everyone else anyway. Yes. So I'm going to bring up. Yes. I, unfortunately, it's so horrible that. So for people in the call that don't know what's going on, glory kickboxing has fired, has fired all fighters for one reason and one reason only because they're Russian. That's it. And there's not much to say on that apart from that's pure discrimination um i just i i'm actually just lost for words i don't even know like this is a full-on sort of like bullshit virtue signaling type move from glory and the, they've given a bullshit reason that you know oh it's too hard to book fighters and whatnot it's, that's pathetic we've you know to, to see these people penalized purely because of a nationality is nothing short of horrendous and also this includes and it shouldn't matter as much because whether it's a champion or not um to penalize someone on a nationality is horrible but they that includes firing their champion a light heavyweight champion his name's artem for the life of me i can't pronounce his second name but his name's artem and he has a win over alex pehera okay and they fired him. I, I, I'm just, um, just shocked at this sort of like move, this virtue signaling move. Like you don't see this again. Like we talked about this before, Mike, of how you know the UFC and ESPN MMA picked and pick and chose like Marina Moroz and left out Bilal and Palestine. It's the same thing here, bro. You don't see this type of thing with like uh, ten years ago, twenty years ago with the British and. Iraq or Israel and Palestine, but Russia and Ukraine, they want to force it down people's throats. It's pathetic. And again, with the whole Nate Diaz thing, I think it's so sad. Like like you said, Mike, you were being nice. Like so I'm gonna cut it to the chase. This card is pathetic. This cut like from pay-per-view card, this card shit. Like, Mike, you're trying to be like like I know Mike, you're like really nice, but I'm just gonna say how it is. This card's bullshit. Like you've got three notable fights. <laughs> Like, and then even then, Rockhold is a liability. Costa is going to turn up by 200 pounds. Uh, Jose and Marab is a hard cause matchup, but that's it. It's not something that jumps out. And then, like you said, Mike, it should have been if it was Chimaev and Edwards as the main event, I guarantee you, you keep the rest of the card the same. It doesn't matter. Because you have Chimaev on the main card. It doesn't matter. You can put them in fucking Antarctica. It doesn't matter. But it's so... Everyone's <laughs> said this already. Uh, um, you know, and you said this, Diaz. This whole situation is petty and disgusting. And people have also said as well, I hate MMA fans so much. They say, oh, you declined Chimaev back in October, though. Firstly, Chimaev was a rising star back then, but Chimaev didn't add any... You know, like, why would Nate take that fight? And also, as well, Chimaev is a middleweight that kills himself to make welterweight. It, like, when you've got Dustin there begging in August, Nate begging, just let them make that fight and you'll get more money. It's horrible, the treatment that's being done. And, yeah, just it's just, I'm just horrified at everything, to be honest. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Mike.
Yeah, I mean, the glory thing is just insane. Uh, the Bellamere pick is tremendous, by the way. Excellent. Uh, Bigfoot Silva's got a daughter who fights as well. Anne Ribeiro is her name. I don't, I don't think she's turned pro yet, but uh, some Amy wins. She's someone to probably keep an eye on as well. But Bellamere is probably the best answer. All right, Taylor. What's up, buddy? Hello, Mark. I hope you're doing okay. Firstly, he stole my thunder. I was going to go for the Bellamere pick, but two things to talk about. Great there was a Randy Couture I'm not sure if he's still active, but I remember he got beaten up by Patricky a few years ago. He might be a bit of a wash now. And then secondly... Um, Who's this? The, the, uh, Randy Couture's son. Ryan or Rylan. Oh, Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's fighting anymore. Oh. And then uh, secondly, I want to talk about the state of the lightweight division and a proposal for you of how they can fix this awful circumstance where there's a top 10 that you just can't seem to get into and there's all these killers on the cusp of the cusp of a ranking that can't get an exciting fight but it's like this main event that we got at the weekend it sort of feels like it's come about as no one else good's going to fight these two guys so we may as well just put them together with Sarukin and Gamera so I'm pitching to you an eight-man tournament the future of the lightweights all these killers at lightweight like um, Demir Gulam uh, Alvarez Mike Martin all these killers that have got like these great records like 13 and 5 records put them, put them in a an eight-man tournament together, put like the the semi-finals say on the prelims of a lightweight title fight, and then put the finals as like a five uh, five round fight on a lightweight card. So, like, make a big tournament for them. Promise like a number five ranking, get them a bit of traction that way because they're all going to struggle to fight up. Look at Greg Gillespie, fantastic fighter, but. He doesn't stand a chance of getting a fight ahead of him, really, and his star power is sort of falling because of it. Yeah, I mean, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing why your idea won't happen, because the UFC doesn't like to have fun at all. So that's why it's not going to happen. That would be a fun idea. We'd all be happy and thrilled about that idea. But the UFC doesn't like to have fun, and we're not going to have any fun with that, unfortunately. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Lightweight's kind of lightweight's fun, but it's a mess at the same time. And yeah, it's just not gonna happen. I wish we could get something like that, but it ain't gonna happen. All right. 30 seconds each for Vinny and Viking M Bay. Vinny, go. Sorry, I can barely hear I can barely hear you. Um, just wanted to ask about the um Adrian Yanis fight last weekend. Uh what was the beef on all that? And also wanted to um ask you about the um the the guitar ending is this chris lee the new tom all the model all the model or the model whatever his last name is <laughs> yeah i don't know man it's a it's a pretty horrendous scorecard really really terrible and it cost calvin cater the win it cost calvin cater the fight so he if he wants to be pissed he has every right to be but yeah. All right, Viking MMA, close us out. 30 seconds, because we got to go. Hopefully we got your uh, everything squared away over there. 
Spinning, it's spinning. Five more seconds. Five, four. Here we go. Go. Good. What you got? We got to get out of here, so make it fast if you can. Yes. I Actually, I was knowing it that you were going to say that. But I just want to. I just want to say one thing: that you are a good man, you are a good human being, and most of the all, whatever you are doing, you are doing in the right way. And I think you should do whatever you are doing on your own. I mean, you are a great analyst and other things. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, I am very happy where I am, very happy with the MMA fighting squad. I feel like we are a, a well-oiled machine over here at the flagship website for mixed martial arts. I feel like we got a little bit of everything going on. Everyone sort of has their lane. We all travel that lane very effectively. And I feel like there's more that can be done. And there will be more done. And I'm excited for all of that. But I appreciate the kind words nonetheless. But we got to get out of here. First of all, for those of you who have jumped in, not only one, but two different links, I really appreciate it because I didn't plan for the friggin' power to go out, but the friggin' power went out. So we had to stop the first stream, jump on into a second stream. And now I have to edit, and it's going to be a pain in the ass. But I appreciate all of you guys and gals jumping in here with me, going on this long journey with us and guess what we're back tomorrow a rare wednesday edition of heck of a morning we'll be back tomorrow 10 a.m eastern thursday 10 a.m eastern friday 10 a.m eastern on the road to a very busy weekend and then on the road to las vegas i cannot wait i will be there i've never been to vegas in my life and what a fine time to make that first trip to sin city for international fight week so thank you very much have a great rest of the day and as always have a heck of a morning, you crazy animals. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.